Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Heath. And today we had on Zach Stepan. Now, he's uh, he played with me back in college. Unbelievable guy and an even better hockey coach. And some of the stuff that we went over and we talked about today is not only going to be good for hockey coaches, but any hockey player that wants to make it. Um, hopefully, your goal is to make it to the NHL. So it was a blast. And with me, as usual, is... Pete Cammon, Elevated Hockey here. Yeah, this was a great conversation. Zach's obviously a young, up-and-coming coach working in the North American Hockey League and the NA3 League, working in the Steel uh, program organization between the two teams. So I think he gives a great insight into uh, working with a lot of his players, especially as a younger coach. He, I think he gets how to relate to some of the younger, up-and-coming players, and I think he gives some great advice uh, to the listeners on, on making decisions as a hockey player and where to go and also um, what he's doing from a, a, a new uh, kind of coming up the ranks head coach uh, in the hockey world. So I think it's a good one. I, I'm excited for people to listen to it. Danny, what, you, what else do you have for us? Uh, I'm just, I'm fired up. Um, you know, he's, he's done it at every level, played in World Juniors, uh, NHL draft pick, had his career cut short just with a few head injuries, which I can relate to. But uh, yeah, this was a fun one, and if if you're listening and you like what you hear, make sure you cross-check that like button and show us some love so we can continue to produce phenomenal episodes. I'm excited for the future, and as you know, the Stanley Cups are closing up and all those good things, it's it's uh, it's exciting. Exciting times to be a part of Let's Go Hockey podcast. So what do you say, Coach? Absolutely. Cross-check that like button. That's your thing now, huh? That's your yeah, thing? Yeah, or slash <laughs> it. I haven't decided which one yet, but today we're going with cross-check that like button. I'm into it. I'm into it. I say let's go. Let's get this episode rolling. Let's, let's do go. It. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Born in Hastings, Minnesota, a standout player for Shattuck St. Mary's High School before joining the Waterloo Blackhawks in the United States Hockey League. A fourth round draft pick of the Nashville Predators. Let's go. Played his NCAA hockey for the greatest school in the country, Minnesota State University of Mankato during which he competed for Team USA and World Junior Championships in 2013-14. After Mankato, he made his pro debut in the East Coast Hockey League for the Orlando Solar Bears. Let's go! Made his coaching debut for the Chippewa Steel in the NAHL and is now uh, heading into his second season as head coach for the New Home Steel. Zach Stepan, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? Having a good day. I appreciate that. I got finally... Got the invite onto the podcast. <laughs> been a while. Been talking about it for a while, and I finally got to get on here. Yeah, yeah we're we're happy to have you on here, Zach. I'm excited to talk through some of these uh, questions we got for you and learn a little bit more about your background and what you're doing today in the game for 
and from the coaching standpoint. So maybe if you could start with a little bit of your hockey background, the heater kind of hit on a few of the highlights, but can you just kind of walk through uh, your hockey background a little bit for the listeners? Yeah. I, um, well, I guess we'll just start with high school. I was, I was one of those private school kids. I um, was lucky enough to go to Shattuck St. Mary's um, in Faribault, Minnesota um, for high school. Um, that's where the draft pick thing happened, which was, was awesome. It was fun to be a part of that for the years I was a part of that. Um, played in the USHL for the Waterloo Blackhawks, um, which just the greatest building ever to play in. Yeah. And then um, along with the World Junior uh, U20s, I also was a part of the U17 and U19 um, USA teams. So getting to travel around a lot to different countries and just kind of see, you know, different cultures kind of helps well-round your, your outlook on a lot of things, especially in the game of hockey too, because they – things are so different and the way the game is played in different countries. And so that was always fun to, to be a part of and to see. Um, and then, yeah, and then I got a, lucky enough to go to Minnesota State Mankato where we were able to do some good things down there and get that program rolling. And then ended up playing a year in the East Coast before uh, concussions got the best of me. So doctors gave me the ax and got into coaching. Yeah, before uh... – I mean, I obviously being good friends with you, I, I know a lot of that story, but what I don't know and what I know uh, Cameron is going to love is that overseas hockey you played. This guy goes nuts. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Where were, where was World Juniors and where were those two uh, other tournaments hosted at? So World Juniors was in Malmo, Sweden, um, which is just an incredible spot. Like the, it's so like you get over there and it's, not only the hockey, but just like the towns are just so much different. They got that old brick up and down each, like all the shopping centers and everything's all that old brick. Like you can't even drive a car down that road because it's all mm. bumpy brick. Like it's just such a cool atmosphere there. And then um, U17 was in Switzerland um, and U19 was in Nova Scotia. So awesome. I got, I've been around the block a time or two when it comes to visiting different countries and different cultures. Yeah, did you uh, – which one stood out the most? Which one was your favorite trip? Maybe not from, like, a championship standpoint, but just from, a, like, whoa, this is just a cool place to be. My favorite, and I would move there, is Switzerland. I really? thought, you know, I think a big part of it does help that a lot of them spoke English, which helps. Um, but there's two different types of Switzerland that I got to see. We, we got to go visit Zurich um, for the day, which was gorgeous. I mean, that's more of your, your big city type look. Uh, but then they got the big lake surrounded by the mountains. That whole deal looks like a Lord of the Rings type thing going on. Um, and then, but then we also got to go where we actually played was more of like a very rural, um, you know, rolling hills, cows all over the place, horses all over the place type deal. Um, and very old time, back to Lord of the Rings reference, would be more like Hobbit. Like, yeah. So it was two completely different worlds, but you're in the same country, so it's cool to see. That is awesome. Those are experiences you'll have forever. Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of shift gears and, and talk about leadership. And, I mean, you've, you've had the pleasure of playing with great leaders, being a great leader on your teams, and now I'm always interested to see how coaches move into – when you move into a coaching role and you were – fortunate or unfortunate enough uh, to have to move into that, that role a little bit earlier than most players would like. But what do you look for when you're picking kind of your leadership group now, um, now for the new home steel? Uh, that's a, 
kind of a loaded question because it changes every year, depending yeah. on the type of guys you have. Um, you know, I definitely, with only last year was my first year, really having that opportunity and um, looking into what I want to do for that. There are definitely some mistakes that I made last year um, when picking leadership group, just from the standpoint of how I wanted them to lead. Um, not that they were bad leaders or by any means or anything like that, but just kind of how I approach them about that role. I think I can shift over time to help them be better than um, what they maybe could have been. Uh, so, but the biggest thing I look for is there's two types of leaders, right? There's verbal and nonverbal. Um, you need your, you need your C to be verbal. In my opinion, um, I think some of the best captains to ever play the game were probably better A's as a nonverbal captain, right? With the way they play, the way they get guys going. But that verbal piece is so important. And that's where I think I mixed it up last year a little bit where um, the more verbal guys were the A's. And wow. so then there's still a little bit of that, like, who do I listen to type feel for some of the guys, right? And so for me, it's not only the guy that, you know, is the most verbal or doesn't stop talking, but it's the things he says and the way he carries himself. Somebody could be a great talker, right, and really get the boys going, but then his off-ice stuff is the complete opposite of what he's saying. And so you got to find that happy medium for the guy that's going to be your verbal captain. And then that nonverbal captain is just the guys that everyone wants to be. I mean, we had, we had a great nonverbal captain last year that was an assistant, didn't play much. He was my, probably my 12th, 13th forward every night. But there was a guy – that was a guy that deserves a seat. Three-year guy, never complained, did what he was told, worked his butt off, right? And so yes. he might not play much, but when something comes out of his mouth, every single guy on the bench listens. So it was one of those things where even if he's having an off night, I still had to have him on the bench. He helped us win hockey games even when he wasn't on the ice. And so those are the two types they really got to look for. Because, like I said, the verbal guy can say all the right things but not show the right things, and that doesn't do as much as the guy that doesn't say much, doesn't play much, but says the right things and shows why he wants you guys to do those things. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I think that's a good takeaway for the people listening here is that, uh, especially maybe in the younger youth coaches' ranges, like your, your top player doesn't need to be your captain. Your, your captains, vice versa, don't always have to be your absolute top players. It's more on, on the leadership of it than sometimes the playing ability. But when that playing ability is there to back it up, it's a big component to it. And that what you just talked about with your assistant captain being a little deeper in the lineup is still critical to your guys' success. I mean, I've seen that in a couple instances too, where, you know, guys that are healthy scratches, a lot of times still have an A on their jersey and are, are critical in that team doing well. So I'm glad you pointed that out. I think that's a good, that's a good point there. Well, that, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go right at please. I was just going to say that was one thing that I, I think I did do right last year is a lot of guys, for instance, on our team with Jacob Helverson, everyone knew he was going to be a, one of the top scorers in the league. Um, and a lot of guys looked to him as a captain. But at the same time, I didn't necessarily want him to have that, that responsibility on his shoulders either because I needed him to just go out and play. And so if he really didn't, he was, he was kind of on the fence. Like he didn't really care if he had it, did not care if he had it. So people still look to him as a leader, but he at least doesn't have the didn't have to worry about the responsibility and dealing with me every day in the office as much as the rest of the guys did. True. That's awesome. Getting the uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that that decision is so heady. I mean, there's so many uh, you know, aspects that, that go into that. That it's, I love tapping into uh, your mindset on that. But let me jump here, Zach. In the you've had experience at a lot of different levels, from a playing experience at pro, NCAA D1, USHL, and now coaching. You, you've coached at the North American League level. You're currently at the NA3, and then I know you're also working um, with with an NA team at the same time while you're the head coach of the the steel there. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your role is like as a head coach at the NA three level and how you're involved with, uh, with the North American league, like tier two team. And then also what, from your perspective, you see is the biggest difference between those, those levels, the tier two and the tier three junior level. Yeah. Um, well, from, from my standpoint, being in new Ulm, um, you know, got thrown in the fire pretty quick too. Cause it's a little weird when you're, you know, even when I was with Chippewa and you're 24 and your players are 21. Um, you got to kind of find that happy medium because all of them could have been a freshman when you were a senior in college. So there's, there's a little balance that you got to find, which wasn't, isn't as hard as an assistant coach when I was in Chippewa. But then once you get to a head coaching role, I mean, still my, all my overagers could have been freshmen if I would have played all three years of juniors, we could have been, went to college together. Um, and so finding the balance of friend and, you know, coach, that's a little harder when there's not that big of a gap between the age. Um, but at the same time, I think the, it changes. I think the way the game is being taught is changing a little bit too. It's not as much clipboard over the back of the head when you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's more about really sitting down teaching and helping kids learn um, that it's starting to transition to not just getting mad yelling and then people play better. I think it's just a different generation that you're working with. So that transition was a little bit weird, but then, from the transition of being in Chippewa and then being in the NA3 with the New Ulm Steel, um, we're very blessed because the Chippewa's head coach that I was the assistant for, we played together also at Mankato. We graduated together. Um, So that dialogue is constantly open, which is really good for my players. Um, And they all know that because that's why we have a good amount of guys that get to go up and down. But it's more about just a trust factor between the two teams more than anything. Cause if, you know, realistically everyone plays pretty much Friday, Saturday. So there's not a ton of times where coach Fogarth and Chippewa can actually watch our games. So he's got to trust that when he asks me about somebody, I give him an answer that, you know, as much as I want to help my guys, they got to give me a reason to, to do it. Cause I don't want to put my, you know, I don't want to put myself on the line there and chop my own head off by lying and trying to get somebody up because then that completely cuts off ties. There's a a happy medium there too. For sure. And knowing, knowing the both of you guys, I think, I think that dialogue is huge. And I think that's a big reason why people are are looking to go play a new home because they know it's basically a farm system to, to the NHL, which is a pipeline to division one college hockey. And so it's definitely a good thing going. You want to tell us a little bit more about your program there and, I mean, what, what sets you apart and, and then kind of dig into like what your philosophies are as a coach. I know you, you've touched on it a little bit, but yeah, let's talk about the steel. What's it, what's it like to play for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, our program, the, the nice thing about our program, I mean, realistically is the Chippewa farm systems situation, right? Yeah. And more teams now are going, getting into that. You're seeing it a lot more now. I think like OKC has got an NA3 team and is looking to get an NA team at the El Paso Rhinos. I think is the, the new team coming. That's an NA3 team this year. And then next year they're going to have an NA team. So it's starting to become more normal to have that affiliation. 
So luckily enough, we were able to kind of jump that curve a little bit too. Um, but then when it comes to playing for me, like being younger, being freshly out of the game, I was fortunate enough, but unfortunate enough where I grew up where in high school, I was told two way forward, work your butt off. You'll make it to the NHL type thing. And that points don't matter. And that has changed over time because then you start getting into the USHL where I played in the USHL and there was quite a few fights. Their fighting was still okay back in that day. I wasn't a fighter and I had to fight. Um, and now that's all kind of going away a little bit. Now the game's turning into strictly creativity and who can score more goals. And so I'm being freshly out of that game. I think that's the, the take that I've started to take away is you don't want to turn kids into robots allow them to be creative. So like a coaching style that I have is I'm going to be very structured from my D zone to the, the blue line. And then once you guys get inside the offensive blue line, go be hockey players. Because once those kids lose that creativity piece with a coach telling them that you need to do this, pucks got to go behind the net. You got to get it up top. You got to get it to the point, get a shot, this and that. Once you lose that creativity, you lose all the fun out of the game. And once you lose the fun, it's not, you, you just lose the hockey player. And so I tried to allow them, if they're going to be, if they're going to listen to me and be disciplined between the D zone and the far blue line, I will allow them the freedom in the offensive zone. And that's where they have the most fun. I like that. I don't think I've, I've heard a lot of people spell it out that concisely, but I think that's a great way for, especially your, your high offensive players to really open up and not feel bottled in by a, a certain system that might not mesh with their skill set. But I like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Zach, tell me about, you know, something I've been doing a little bit more of lately is, is in getting interested in is, is in the scouting world. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective, like where your players are coming from, where a lot of your, your players are coming from, what levels and where you're, fi how you're finding them, what that process looks like when you're identifying players um, for, to, you know, to come join the steel program and kind of what qualities you're looking for in those players when you're, when you're out there identifying them. Yeah. I mean, at the NA three level, it's a little bit different than I, when I was at the NA level. Um, and a big part of that is just, you know, you got to have as, as bad as it is to say, you got to have a little bit more, like if I have a draft board, my draft board is going to be a lot bigger than, an NA draft board is going to be because if you go tell a kid he's drafted the NA, if he doesn't make the USHL, he's going to the NA. If you tell a kid that doesn't make the NA that I draft him the NA three, he's got so many other options. So you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad on that a little bit. Um, a lot of my guys just luckily enough, based off location, we get a lot of Minnesota and Wisconsin kids. Um, you know, and that's nice from a scouting standpoint because I don't have to drive or fly across kingdom come to find players. But like last year, I got a couple kids from Nashville. Um, got, I'll have a couple of players this year from Nashville. And then on top of that, I went out to Colorado last year, Alabama last year, because you go find these diamonds in the rough down South because now hockey's starting to become a lot more prevalent down there. You can go find a couple diamonds in the rough and, and get them to come play for you. And so now that hockey's opening up that, that recruiting piece is becoming easier in my opinion because there's more players to choose from. But at the same time, you, when you're going to identify a player, you're, I'm looking for a player that I think by the time he's done with me, he has not a chance to play in the NA. And so 
that's what you you go for right off the right off the bat is go look for players like that guys that you can bring to main camp that might have an opportunity if the, if they're on the bubble you come play for me because if I want to have a good team realistically I can go find thirty kids that'll come play for me that'll pay full price this and that but if I want to have a good team I have to do a lot of the, I have to play the waiting game quite a bit because I got to wait for NA camps to end see who talk to those NA teams, see who they thought were really close. And so you have a really small window to go after those guys before they find somewhere else to play. So there's my recruiting, even though I can recruit all summer long, most kids want to play in the NA. So they tell me I'm going to wait to see how the NA goes. So our recruiting time frame drops until right after every NA camp is done and they realize they've either made it or haven't made it to the start of the season. So it's really – it, it's so condensed, even though I could be watching those kids for the last five months. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, there's a reason why some guys jobs in the NA in the NHL, any there's full-time scouts, right? Like it's a full-time job. And I mean, I don't know how you guys do it where you coach, you scout, I mean, you do it all and it's crazy. It's crazy. And then on top of that, you still have to make these kids better throughout the year and uh, develop these guys and, Luckily, I get to work with you quite a bit, running different camps in Minnesota, and uh, we're actually doing one in St. Louis this weekend. Let's go. But uh, what what does your player development look like? Because I know working with you, the, the stuff you do with skating and the stuff you do with these kids' skills, it's it's something that if my son or daughter ever wanted to play hockey, I'm like, yep, they're going to go be coached by Zach Stepan because I know that they're going to – if they're not doing something right, you're going to pull them aside and work with them on certain – other, you're not just going to let them continue to do it wrong, if that makes sense. Is that is that what you're doing more in like a summertime mode, or what's your mindset and what does your development look like in New Ulm during the season? Well, and that's another thing where New Ulm has been. I've been very blessed with our our ownership group with this because they allow me. They were they were not happy with the bill at the end of the year, but <laughs> with how many guys got sent up and called up, they were okay with it at the same time because they allowed me to have extra ice time. And so what we do is the first half of the season, I have the guys Monday through Thursday. Well, for Thursdays is power play and penalty kill stuff, but Monday through Wednesday, they're on the ice every morning for skills, strictly skill development, so that I don't have to waste practice time doing um, that skill development stuff. So especially like one of the things that – this is just my opinion, but I can't stand – is when people or coaches or whatever it may be say, all right, the last 10 minutes, work on whatever you want. Yeah. Because if I have a kid trying to work on a shot and the ice is absolutely shredded, it is not doing him any good. Yeah. So that stuff bothers me, which is why I wanted to get that 30 minutes ice time in the morning, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and then I cut that down second half of the season because obviously now we're in playoff mode. So I don't need the guys on the ice that much. Um, but then on top of it, one of the guys that I learned from growing up, Brian DeWeese, he came and worked for us the second half of the season and took over those skill sessions. And so that was a big deal too, because I mean, realistically, the guys are listening to me all the time. They're going to get their, they got sick of me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so hearing a new voice come in was a big time for them continue to get to do the same skill development stuff, but you hear it from a new voice, some new drills, some new philosophies, and that kind of re-engages their brain into wanting to do it again. 
And then those guys now, mo most of those guys, especially the Minnesota guys, work with him in the summer. So they get to continue doing that skill development stuff. It's not once, twice a week, and then you don't do it for the next four months. They're continuously doing it. So that helps with the whole development process. So you mentioned um, you mentioned exactly you know, your 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 plan of of doing skill development those those main days and special teams on the Thursdays. Can you walk us through exactly like from a player's perspective uh, what they could expect in your program? Like what, like what does a typical week look like um, as you're rolling through the the average day of the season? Yeah. Um, so Mondays and Wednesdays um, in the we do so those skill sessions we did from nine to nine forty-five, um, Monday through Thursday. But the Thursdays I just took out power play and penalty kill on fresh ice. So Monday through Wednesday for the skill development stuff. But they're on the ice. Most of the guys are on the ice Monday through Thursday. Um, that's nine to nine forty-five. Then they get undressed, put on their um, workout stuff. Ten o'clock workout over at our gym, which is about a mile from the rink. They'll go do that for an hour, and then. Usually, like, especially on those workout days, Mondays and Wednesdays, I don't tell them that they need to be at the rink an hour before practice because we practice at noon. So I don't need them to be there at 11, even though they're getting done with workout at about 10.50. Two reasons. One is, realistically, they're just going to sit there because they've already warmed up. They just worked out. So there's no, not really a huge reason for them to get to the rink an hour early, warm up, stretch, and do all that. What's more important for me is that they go get food in their system. So... Well, I give them that extra half hour to make sure they go home, get some food so that they're not, we're not having weight issues throughout the season because junior seasons get long. If they're not getting the calories in after a skate and a workout because they don't have any time to, then issues will arise the second half of the season, whether it's injuries, guys are underweight, they don't have any energy. There's a lot of things that go into it if they're not getting that, that meal in between. So we'll give them that time Mondays and Wednesdays. And then the other days they have an hour and a half to go grab food or whatever um and then friday saturday's games and so the well and then the last piece of that is every monday through thursday we also do um guys have at least once a week if not twice a week after practice there is some sort of community service so we work with um we work with an old folks home we work with an after school program um and those are two main ones where those are always monday tuesday wednesday thursday and that that doesn't even include all the, the random stuff that comes in where someone needs help unloading a, a truck for Goodwill or, um, you know, there's some type of food drive or this or that. So that all gets sprinkled in there too. But every week, at least one day, they have to go either hang out with kids, play games with them, or they got to go play games with uh, people in nursing homes. That's cool that you do that. I know we did a little bit of that when I was junior hockey, but it wasn't uh... – it wasn't every week. And I think the more you can do that, the more good you can bring to other people is obviously going to help. Well, there's, uh, there's, yeah, there's definitely two pieces to it too, because you have the, you know, it's good for the community, good for the organization. I mean, we all know it makes you look good. Right. Yeah. But the second, the second piece of that though, for the players is the communication piece. Cause you're going to have some guys that have no problem being able to go play games with kids or go to the old folks home and play cards. They just have that gene in them where they can walk into a room and talk to everybody. But what's really important is the kids that aren't good at that starting to get practice at that because they yeah. need to be able to have those communication skills, whether, you know, if they want to move on, 
and they really care about hockey, they're going to get grilled from, from people all the time. And so if you're not good at it, it's a bad look. And so it's good practice for these kids to be able to go, go into a room of people they don't know, play games, have some fun, and, and see what happens from there. For sure. And I think, I mean, it helps turn these young boys into men too, like learning how to handle it. Just like you said, learning how to handle that stuff is hockey can give you a lot. And for me, that's just another part of the game is giving back. And so I think that's awesome that you're doing that. Uh, one thing that I didn't hear a ton about, and maybe it's just, I don't know what the resources you have or not, but do you guys ever do any video or anything like that, that, uh, guys have access to, or they're able to watch and, and learn from not only on ice stuff, but then they're able to watch it and, and learn from that as well. Yeah. So what we did, it was a little different in Chippewa compared to, um, New Ulm. Luckily enough, the, the league has a sponsorship, um, with Instat. So that helps us out quite a bit because um, we can use that video. But for for game stuff, we do video every week, um, depending on who we're playing, what I want them to look for, um, stuff like that. But then for guys who do individual video, all I have them do is I have them go click their ships, shifts on Hockey TV, which we have an account for. So if they want me to watch shifts with them, they just got to bring in their iPad, computer, whatever it is with their shifts clipped because on iPads and stuff now you can do like the screen record yep. so they screen record their shifts. They can bring them in, set up a time and then we'll go over the shifts and, and do one-on-one, one-on-one meetings that way. For sure. Nice. Yeah. I think we've, we've been talking to a lot of coaches over the last couple of months with the show and, and video seems to be a gr- such an important growing piece of, especially at the junior level and in college level where these guys are preparing for the next level and so many of it, the, the, the lessons that you're teaching them or any coaches teaching them is like they need to see it before it clicks and they don't, yeah, they don't yeah. know that they're doing something wrong until you see it. Right. Or, or they don't know what's right until they see that being done by somebody else too. And it's, it's that, that piece that makes it click for them. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it's, you can't hide on video either. So some kids really, yeah. really down to earth think that they're doing something and then they see it on the video and they're like, Oh my God, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it can be a game changer that way. Cause once kids see that they're doing it wrong, something clicks, like you said, clicks in their brain. They're like, Oh my gosh, I, this is something I need to fix. Totally. Well, let's jump into, uh, into advice that you might have, uh, for some of the youth hockey players. Like we've touched on before, you've had the experience of playing and now coaching at multiple different levels, but you know, for the listeners out there that are currently at youth hockey or even uh, junior hockey and they're aspiring to reach that next level of, you know, AAA or, or junior hockey or, or college hockey, what would your advice be to those players? Yeah, I got – this is going to be a, probably a little different take than you've heard from a lot of people too. Um, you know, there's there's all the all the, the good stuff, right, where don't let somebody outwork you, uh, make sure you're not taking days off, all that kind of good stuff, right? But my number one thing that I think I even struggle with growing up a little bit, and the same goes for parents as it goes for kids, there's a time to be selfish. And what I mean by that is not being a selfish teammate, not, you know, not going down that road, but be selfish with what's best for you. The number one thing that I see that hinders kids is, oh, I want to stay for my senior year of high school. Oh, I want to go play here with my buddy. Oh, like, so there – that's great if they don't want to really do much with hockey, but they'll go to places that aren't necessarily best for them because of outlying causes. And that's where, you know, that's where the time of, you know, I need to be loyal to a coach. Okay. So be loyal to your coach. But if realistically, if your coach doesn't know that maybe that other spot's a better spot for you 
and you're going to grow as a hockey player there, and he might not be a great coach for you. So there's there's two sides of the coin, but there is a time to be selfish where you got to do what's best for you and your career. And I see way too many times that, you know, I got to be loyal to a coach in my high school. He'll be mad at me if I leave. But do you want to get better? You know, right. do you want to go play junior hockey or do you want to play 20 games in high school and that be the end of it? And I just, I see it so much and it's sad because it's such a great mentality. Loyalty is an incredible thing to have. But there, to get to the next level, it's not guys just being yes men. Sometimes you got to say, no, I need to go somewhere else to become a better hockey player. Yeah, for sure. And then if you have the right fit, like if it's the right fit and it's the right team to go to and it's the right time, then your high school coach, your AAA coach should be pushing you out the door. And so it should be all one type of thing. And I agree with you. It is okay to be selfish um, a lot especially like those days where, you know, your buddies want to go out and you don't want to be selfish. Don't go out and train, you know, that type of thing too. Like you can look at it in 10 different ways. So that is different. We haven't heard that, uh, that type of, of mindset. Um, advice for hockey coaches in regards to prepping kids to go play junior hockey. Like what, what's your advice to these high school coaches, youth hockey coaches that are getting kids ready to come to you, come to the NA, come to the USHL, what would you say to them to all those that, those that are listening? I would say the biggest thing is the game is changing, like I said earlier. I mean, it's not – you don't have to be the toughest guy on the ice anymore to be able to move on. And as much as we love to see it, um, you know, discipline and creativity are the two main things that come to my head. And like I said, if you can be disciplined in the D zone and creative in the offensive zone, that's what's going to catch eyes. The kid that – I hate to say it, but the kid that dumps and chases every time in, in camp – He's not a kid that's getting looked at because he's dumping and chasing. It's a kid that's looking to make plays, is willing to make mistakes because the game is the game of hockey is the game of mistakes. If you're not willing to make a mistake and you just want to be bland and vanilla and just dump the puck in and go forecheck hard, that's great. But you still got to bring that creativity side to the table, or else you're never going to get noticed. I love that. That's uh, I think that's great advice. You know, the, you're exactly right. The game is getting so much faster and so much skill skill based that you know the players coming up now, the, the guys who are breaking through to the next levels are coming in with such high skill set compared to what they were, you know, years ago. And um, just going to these trial camps and seeing kids that aren't making teams and their skill sets are insane at some of these levels, and they're and they're still not getting picked. So I think that's great advice. You've got it. You've got to be able to develop that 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 skating and that stick handling and that creativity for a player to stand out. Um, well, Zach, I got one last question. We're going to wrap this. How, how's, uh, how's, how's the steel looking this year? Are you guys loaded up or what? You guys going to make a run this season? Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of potential returners. So with the run that we were making last season, which was a very disappointing ending to the season, uh, you know, we were the hottest team going into playoffs and I get a lot of those guys back. So I do. I am potentially. I did find out yesterday that I just lost one to the NA, made Wichita Falls. So it's a good problem to have, though, right? Like, yeah, double-edged sword, right? Like I'm super pumped. I think he deserves it, but one of my best players. So now I got to try to find a replacement guy that's on the bubble. And so there's a couple more NA camps finishing up this week that um, I got guys at, and then we'll see, you know, what happens there. And then it then it it's it's go time. I mean, it's. If I get them back, great. Um, would love to work with them. But if I don't get them back, it's even better because it means we moved them on to the next level. But I got to find a way to replace those pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, and I'm going to jump in here, Cameron. Like, I love 
I love what, like, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoy the way you, you speak. Like when you're talking about like, I would love to work with them. Like you don't jump right to like, Oh, I'd love to, you know, I mean, every, everybody wants to win, but like we were having a conversation today about a player who's a younger player and you would be excited to have that player because then you get to work with them. You get to have them there for a year, maybe two and really hone in the development and the league that you're in. Uh, and I know it won't be the league that you'll be in for a long time because the way, the way you're coaching going about things, I know you'll move up pretty fast, but you know, if my, like I said, if my kid or my hockey players were in, were at that level and needed to play somewhere, like there's no better coach because you want someone focused on development and not there to, to just try and pile on wins. Cause you've been doing that now for, you know, two years and you know, wins are, are a, a benefit, you know? And so that's, it's just really cool to see that. So uh, I know Cameron's going to kind of wrap it up here, but I, I, I love what you're doing. I love, uh, I love your mindset when it comes to just helping out hockey players. And what we always talk about in this podcast is this podcast is just leaving the game better than we found. And you're doing that. So appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so with Zach, uh, Zach, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, but this is your opportunity. Last, uh, last word of advice or any final closing thoughts that you want to leave to the uh, the players, parents, um, or other coaches that are listening. Uh, like I said, biggest thing for me is just like the your best friend's path might not be your path, and the sooner you can figure that out, the better it's going to be for you. Because um, too many guys get lost because of that mindset. And, you know, as much as, as much as you want to be with your best friends until the day you die, it's, you're, you're going to have new friends growing up. You're going to go see, get new experiences, this and that. And if you don't be selfish and do what's best for you when it comes to your career and what you want to do with the game, it's, it's going to be that much more of a battle for you. So biggest thing for me is just, have those conversations. They're not easy conversations, right? Like you're scared to talk to your coach because you're loyal to him and you don't want to make him mad, but you want to what? He'll get over it, right? Because when he sees you move on, he'll still get to say that he coached you. So in the long run, it, it'll work out for him. It might be one of those things where he's mad for a day or two, but he'll get over it. And so do what's best for you. That's my, my best advice. Excellent. Well, Zach, I appreciate that advice. I think you got some great uh, piece of advice sprinkled throughout this this talk, and we really appreciate you coming on the show today. It was wonderful uh, getting to know you, getting to talk with you, learn more about your background. Uh, so, I genuinely, thank you for coming on here. I think, Danny, you want to you want to close us out here? Yeah, uh, big time. Appreciate it. Uh, but before you go, we need you to give us a let's go. Let's go <laughs> hockey podcast. Love it. Thank Fired you. Up. I go. love when guys get into it. That's yeah, what you're welcome. About. That's what I'm here for. Bring in the energy. Cool. All right. Well, thanks right. so much, Zach. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll put all your – hey, last, last thing. Where can anybody find you if they want to reach out to you and, and, and get in touch with you? Um, all, all my information is at, at uh, New Alm Hockey, um, New Alm, or NewAlmSteel.com. So yeah. if they get anything that they want to get to me or – uh, or you can reach out to old Danny Heath here because he sees me every day. So yeah, I was, I was just going to mention that, that we'll link all that stuff in the show notes where, you know, if you want to come play for new Ulm, if you want to come, uh, get coached by this guy, uh, it's all there for you. So we'll, we'll do that. But yeah, we appreciate you coming on and we'll be in touch coach. We'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me guys. Let's go. Thank you, Coach Stepan, Zach Stepan, for coming on the Let's Go Hockey podcast. Obviously, in today's world, people are extremely busy with how fast everything's moving, but 
he made time for us and he made time, he made us all better. So super excited to have you on coach. Um, if you have any more questions for him, make sure you reach out cause he's always willing to help. But as usual, let's jump into our three stars. Uh, coach, you want to start us off with these? Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. I think, uh, third star from today's episode, I really like when he talked about leadership and in the framework of making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and, uh, and how that, you know, changes from year to year as you're, as you're building that team up or those practices and you're, you're open to being able to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes in order to better yourself. I think that's applies not only to hockey coaches, but hockey players and not only hockey in general, but just in life in general too. So I think that's a great takeaway. So I'm glad that he was able to give his thoughts on that topic. So that's my third star for the night. Second star, um, you know, this one stood out to me when he was talking about, you know, once you lose your creativity, you lose hockey players. And he talked about his, his kind of rules with his team where he's very disciplined in the defensive zone and the neutral zone. And he kind of takes the leash off of the players in, in the offensive zone and allows the, the players creativity to generate offense offense. And I think that's something that you don't necessarily hear or see very often. And I think that that's, uh, you know, a really great way for coaches to look at that and it allows your players to be creative and play within, uh, within a system, but generate offense from that creativity. So I really, really liked the, his take on that. For sure. What do you have it's for the first uh, star heater? What do you, yeah. what do you feedback? Well, I was just, yeah, I was just going to say it's, I mean, it's huge. The idea of like, um, keeping your players motivated, especially now um, with the world of COVID, like who knows if we're going to be playing games this year. And so um, trying to find kids and trying to keep them motivated and stuff like that and allowing them to be creative in the offensive zone. And I get to work with coach step on off the ice and so, or on the ice during the summer. And it's, it's awesome to watch what he does with kids and, and hockey players and athletes and the different drills and stuff like that. But number one star, for me, uh, was something that I've talked about a lot, but I haven't really talked about it in this way. And we talked about just his advice to hockey players. And he said, just be selfish. And what he meant by that was that you need to take the route that's best for you. It's not, you know, and he, he talked about staying your senior year of high school. If you live in Minnesota, it's not about staying just because you want to stay with your buddy. Um, you know, you need to do what's best for you and your development. So if that's going to X, Y, and Z, if that is staying for your senior year, um, you have to do what's best for you. And so I really love that advice and just be selfish and, and do what's best for you in terms of your career. Now, when you're actually playing a game, you got to be a team guy or girl and make sure you're helping blocking shots, doing whatever it takes. But, uh, yeah, off the ice, navigating those things can be tricky, but you always think about like what's best for your development, what's going to be best for you down the road this year, next year. And so when you look back on your career, you, you, you never have any what ifs. And so the advice he gave was awesome. I'd go back and listen to it a couple times. And if it doesn't make sense or if it does make sense and you want to learn more from him, reach out. He's always willing to help. He's one of the best in the business. So I'm excited. And He's a good, he's a good friend and hopefully we can have him back on again for some coaches round table. But uh, yeah, that's where, where I'm at coach. Cool. I got one last thing I'm going to add in there too, because you, you kind of struck a thought with me, what you're explaining on the first star of the night. And I think that something that resonated with me throughout this whole interview was just the word opportunity. And, you know, whether that's taking the opportunity to 
join the development path that's right for you, like Danny was just talking about, or just thinking of, of, of uh, Zach here as like a young up-and-coming coach, getting opportunity and jumping on it to be a head coach of an NA3 team. You know, like a lot of guys will look at the North American Hockey League and say that's where they're at and they're just going up. And he's taking a step to a Tier 3 team to be the head coach, take that opportunity, prove himself, like kind of gain his stripes as a head coach and keep moving forward from there. And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of other examples in, in his playing career of jumping on those opportunities and, sure. and and running with them. And so I think that's, you know, that, that word opportunity kept jumping out to me during this interview is that this is a guy that's not afraid to take, you know, kick that door open, jump on those opportunities and make the most out of them. And I think that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, like I said, if you, if you have any questions, let us know. Uh, Cross-check that like button. Uh, make sure you're checking out Hockey Wolf. I'm telling you right now, their customer service is phenomenal. Every time I need to talk to someone there, they're boom, right on the spot. So uh, am I missing anything? I think that's it. We're going to have uh, all of Zach's contacts in the show notes. Check those out. Give them a follow. Reach out if you have any questions about scouting or junior hockey or want to talk hockey in general i yeah. think um you know for me the, the hockey season is getting rolling here so elevated hockey camps are coming up project hockey camps you got some 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 coming up too right danny absolutely yeah we're doing a ton of different things uh just getting kids moving and making kids better from the comfort of their own home so excited about it and if, if you want to play for a coach step on uh, and you're at that junior hockey level reach out to him reach out to us and we'll put you in contact for sure absolutely Awesome. I think we wrap this one up and uh, head out of here and get the next one going. Let's do it. Let's go, coach. Let's go. Let's go.